Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 171 with Janine Ellis of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan. I'm the CEO of Founder Magazine and also the host of this podcast. So for those of you that are just joining us, uh, we interview a ton of super successful founders that are disrupting their industry and are doing some incredible things. In fact, you know, we... I can I can confidently say that we've been lucky enough, I've been lucky enough to interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs in the world. And, you know, it's just been an incredible ride. And uh, I started this business with knowing nothing about business, entrepreneurship, startups, publishing magazines, you name it. Now let's talk about today's guest. Her name is Janine Ellis, and she's the founder of a company called Boost Juice. So she's a fellow Australian entrepreneur, and uh, she's also a shark on Shark Tank here in Australia. And we had an awesome, really fun, really useful, you know, I learned a ton. I was taking so many notes from my conversation with Janine around building a business and also in particular franchising. Now, I don't really know much about franchising, so some of the questions that I might have asked, uh, you know, some of you guys might already know, but for me, I found that really, really fascinating because she's used uh, franchising as a way to scale multiple companies that she's built. She builds retail businesses, and her parent company is a massive retail, uh, you know, massive holding company that has many brands underneath them. 
And yeah, she uses franchising in a very, very big way where it's an interesting growth strategy, right? Uh, for a retailer to, you know, if you want to build a big retail business. So Janine's done some incredible things. Uh, Boost Juice is all around the world. Um, you know, I never forget, like Boost Juice is massive here in Australia. Um, I think they are quite big in the States as well. I've only been to the States a handful of times in my life, so I don't really pay that much attention to all the other places that are around. But either way, Janine's a very, very smart person. She tests, she has a ton of gold with us. And you're going to learn a lot about franchising, raising capital, growing your business, hiring, marketing, all sorts of things. So that's it from me, guys. Just before we jump in, though, if you are enjoying these interviews, please do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes. Please do tell your friends. I know that you're an entrepreneur and you must have other friends that are entrepreneurs. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? How did I get my first job? Which job? <laughs> the job that you're working in today, I guess, if you want to call it that. How did I get my job? I yeah. got my job because I was a I was on maternity leave from my, my like my real job, and um, I didn't want to be a result of other people's decisions anymore. I wanted to have flexibility. I had three children, uh, and I wanted to create be the creator of my own destiny. Mm. So, while you're on maternity leave, you started working. What was your first? Was your first company Boost? Uh, yeah, look, you know, like I think if you look, you speak to any and you, you've spoken to many entrepreneurs and you've found that quite often their first business that they're known for is never their first business. So we had, uh, I was touring comedians, which was a disaster, and then we tried publishing, that didn't work. So, you know, you try a few things before you find your real passion and what you really want to do. And so Boost Juice for me was uh, a result of actually a trip to the States and I saw the category of juice and smoothies over there and I and I like the category, but I didn't really like any of the concepts over there. So really coming back to Australia and and really with my passion for loving life and my passion for fresh fruit and vegetables and getting as much of that great stuff into humans or us Australians was sort of the vision that we had to start Boost. Yeah, wow. That's incredible. So um, just for our audience that aren't in Australia, that, that may not know of, of, of Boost Juice, because you guys are massive in Australia, um, and I know you have a, a series of other uh, brands that I didn't know actually were owned by Boost Juice. Like um, you've got uh, Fresh Mex, and there's a few there's a few others there that I've seen that you I found that you guys uh, own. But could you be able to give I guess um, when you started to where you are now just a little bit of perspective of of how big of a business you guys have built? Yeah, absolutely. We started in 2000 and we we literally, from 2000 to 2004, we opened 100 stores in the Australian market. In 2004, we had inquiries from literally all over the world to take boost to, you know, South Africa, Japan, Dubai, you know, America, Canada, all over the place. And um, so we actually, in 2004, we did start our international expansion. And, you know, so currently, you know, fast forward, you know, to 2017, we're in, we've got um, over 500 stores. Uh, 200 of them are in Australia and 200 of them are overseas. And they're in countries like Malaysia and Singapore. We are actually the largest juice bar chain outside of um, our, our country, outside of Australia. And uh, we're in more countries than any other juice bar in the world. So despite the fact that 
I saw the idea over there. Um, we are, we are, and if, you, if people are in business, we are probably the most profitable juice bar chain in the world. So, you know, so we've done something right. You know, I think we really do tap into the human, it doesn't matter if you're in America or in Australia, that human need to to come into a store and, and feel special, you know, and have walk out that walk out the door with something that tastes great but is good for you. And, you know, I know the American, you know, juice bar chains and, and some of them do a great job, but I think in Australia we just do it differently. And, you know, it has resonated all over the world and we are going to be launching into America. Mm, yeah, awesome. Um, so I'm curious, you said that you, you grew to 100 stores in four years. Was that from franchising or opening up your own? Uh, both. So we were we had a company store strategy and also a franchise strategy. You know, Australia, as we know, is a massive country and, you know, it's if you put Australia over over Europe, it covers all of Europe. And so it's a, it's a massive country. So it's very difficult to, you know, run a store in Perth really effectively. And one of the challenges that we all have out there, particularly in retail, is how do we get the people that run the store to have that real ownership in the store, to give that passion that we wanted to, to deliver in, in our business. And it got down to franchising was the best, you know, the best way. You know, Australia is full of phenomenal entrepreneurs and phenomenal people that want to run, run their own business. And, you know, we're lucky to be able to tap into that and get the most amazing quality partners in our business to, to be able to continue that boost spirit. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. So to this day right now, how many would be franchises? And I, and I know you have many other um, brands as well underneath uh, it's, you know, underneath your group. Like, uh, like how many are franchised and how many are kind of owned by your, your parent company? Right. Right now, probably most of them are franchised. So we've got probably 15% of the network are company owned. We always have a company-owned strategy due to the fact that you need to trial things and, you know, whatever we do, we should have the biggest impact, positive and negative. So, you know, we, we are committed to make sure that we continue to have a company model. Yeah, I see. And so anyone that's looking to get into franchising, let's say somebody, they've got, you know, a retail storefront and it's, you know, it's a really great concept, it is scalable. What would your suggestions be for somebody looking to franchise do you, how many do you think they, you know, that person should scale to the the owner operate like they own it versus then getting onto franchising? Do you have a formula for that? Look, I think there's not one size that fits all because every business is so unique and every person is unique too. So they might have strengths in certain areas. They might be absolutely extraordinary at running a company model. So then maybe they should have more, or they might have great skills, people skills. And, you know, might be more suited to a franchise model. But at the end of the day, if I was listening to this and I was looking at my business and going, should I franchise or should I not, you've got to make sure that like any great deal out there is put, in, put yourself in both the seats and make sure that there's a win for both parties. So there's no point um, charging someone so much that they can't make a business for themselves. But equally, there's no point doing a franchise model if you're not making enough money to be able to support the franchise and actually make a business yourself. So first of all, understand your business and how much profit is it in there for a franchisee and how does that business look for you? I think sometimes people are, they skewer it one way or the other. Sometimes they don't charge enough and they consequently fail because they're not getting enough revenue in and they can't support the franchise network because they're not getting enough revenue in or they charge too much 
and then the franchisee is is um, dis, dis, disengaged and, you know, they're not making the money that they need to make as well. So you've really got to find the happy medium and, you know, every franchise you put on the ground has to be successful because that's how you grow. Mm, I see. Okay, interesting. And when it comes to franchises, like what um, – can you run us through kind of what the, the uh, I guess, percentages is usually or what's kind of the standard that you would recommend? I don't know, again, that there's a standard. I mean, the food industry has a standard of something like you know, 6 to 8% and normally a you know, 2 to 3% uh, marketing. But different industries have different different models. There's upfront fees. Some people have no upfront fees. Some people, like it's there is so many ways of skinning a cat. Um, but I think it gets down to again what I said before is making sure that you you model it effectively to ensure that there's a win for both parties. Um, so it is it is a you know it's not that hard if you're because there's so many ways of franchising so many different industries out there for it so what I would do if I was again sitting here with my business and wondering if I should franchise or not I would start inquiring about the people in our industry and start to do that research myself and it's not that hard you can don't even have to call them you can go online and find out half this information so it, you know, it's important when you're doing any business plan and a franchise model is a business plan that you um, do your research and that's part of it is answering some of the questions you're asking me today for your particular industry. Hmm. Yeah, okay, that's, you know, that makes sense. Um, so when it comes to, I, uh, one thing I found interesting that you said was you said that you guys are probably one of the most profitable uh, retail juice chains. Uh, why is that? Why is that? Um, look, I think it's how we run our business uh, potentially. Um, I think that we we have a very high turnover and in individual stores are a higher turnover, which means we get obviously a higher revenue per store. We um, manage our system very well. We, um, you know, I you know, I have not come from any money, so every dollar is sacred and every dollar has to turn into to $10. So we have a profit culture. Uh, and I don't know what though the other juice bar chains are doing, and I'm only talking about the ones that are listed. So I, obviously I can't tell you what the ones that are private companies are doing, but certainly the listed ones you can certainly see what they're doing. But I don't know what they're doing wrong to not drive the profit out of those businesses. I'm not sure. Hmm. One thing I've noticed is, especially with the Boost Juice brand, it's it's very strong. I I you know I remember I because Boost has been around for a long time. Um, I remember when I was working at McDonald's, there was a Boost Juice in, you know, the, the local Greensboro, my area, and there was a Boost Juice there. And it was always lines, especially, you know, during summer. And, you know, it, it was really a strong branding that you, it was, you know, it was a brand that you respected. It was fun. Um, do you have some key elements that you use across, you know, branding many of your other, I guess, uh, companies? Look, I think I think you, we have a philosophy of fun. I mean, if you come into the office, you'll see that there's dogs everywhere. You know, everyone's in shorts or t-shirts. It's you know, it's quite a casual sort of environment. So you know, we have the the love life philosophy. We really try to you know not take ourselves too seriously because that's the Australian way. You know, Australia way is you know take the Mickey out of each other and and have a bit of fun on the way. And you know, we we don't we want our stores to have fun with our customers. We want people to feel good when they leave. And the only way to feel good when you leave is have a smile. And so how do we deliver a smile every day? And you know what? We don't always get it right. But we are committed to make sure we fight for it, to make sure that we do get it right as much as we can. 
Mm. And how did you work that out? Just from trial and error? No, it's just I think it's me. You know, I it's my it's my belief. I don't think everything should be so serious. I think we should take our food seriously and I think we should take our health and, and maintenance seriously. But I don't think you shouldn't I go I I built this brand on what do I what do I want from a brand? So when I walk into a store, do I want I want to have a bit of fun? You know, I want I want to smile, you know. I so really the essence is what I want as a customer. And I think that if you grow brands and you grow businesses always from the customer's view, it's interesting how you you build it. You know, so some people get so caught up in the company towards the, the customer is they forget it should always be the customer towards the company. And that's how it's been built. Mm. Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that. Um, maybe a good example, like, because, um, uh, you know, uh, you, you're on Shark Tank. You're 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 quite well known now, um, especially because of the show. And um, I was watching it just as a bit of research last night before our interview. And um, there was the guy that that had this pet. He had some kind of um, you know an app to Tinder for pets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tinder for pets. And I, I think somewhere, unfortunately, he maybe lost the way of 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 is this something that people truly want and and forgot you know because uh, this was like cool hip features. Yeah, and look, it's true. You know, people, people. Um, if you make things complicated, people don't understand it. And the reality is, when you start a business, and everyone, every, if you ask anyone who started a business, it's not like they go, right, the business is a straight line, and this is where I'm going to go, and this is where I'm going to end. You know, at the end of the day, you have to pivot, you have to change, you have to adjust. My husband actually gave gave a great example of this. He said that. Businesses are like when you're, you're sailing and you're finding the wind and you keep tacking, you go, all right, I'm looking for the wind, I'm looking for the wind, I'm going left and right, I'm going left and right, finally there's the wind, okay, off we go now, let's go with the wind, the wind will die down and then you have to tack again to find the wind. So you've got to always, when, when things are going great, you go for it, but when things aren't going so great, you have to keep moving and pivoting to try and find where the next breeze is. And that's what you have to do in business and business is never a business is a problem every day that you have to solve and you have to be a great problem solver and you have to be able to adapt mm. do you think everyone can be an entrepreneur i don't think everyone wants to be an entrepreneur you know people you know i think actually one of the guys in shark tank in america did a great line they said you know people stop wanting to do a 40 hour week to work a 100 hour week and not get paid for it um you know that's what an entrepreneur is entrepreneur is you know it took me 3 years before i got a salary and that salary was $30,000 i oh, wow. we had to we had to sell our family home to fund the business you know we you know it, it took 5 years before i even got a dividend from the business so you know people you know people think that you know, the entrepreneurial path is great. The entrepreneurial path mostly means that you have to live with your parents for a while. <laughs> so, so it's not exactly what people think, you know. Um, you know, for me, I thought that starting an entrepreneurial path meant that I could spend more time with my kids and have more time. I ended up finding that I was working till 2 o'clock every night and I loved it. You know, I found a real passion. So, you know, entrepreneur is not for everyone and that's okay. You know, it's okay. Some people want to have the, you know, security of, you know, a salary and be able to go home and not worry about the fact that they've got the house in the line and they've got more debt they've taken on for the business they can pay off in five lifetimes. You know, people, people don't want to worry about that and that's okay. Um, you know, you've got to be brave. You know, you've got to jump off that entrepreneurial cliff. You've got to back yourself in and, 
you know, and some and sometimes it's not for everyone. Mm. It's interesting you talk about debt. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the show because um, I've never actually mentioned this publicly, but I, I tried to get on Shark Tank when it first came to Australia and uh, I was I was declined. <laughs> um, when when I just left my day job for founder, when, when things were just starting to take off where I could pay myself and stuff like that. And, um, you know, uh, right still to this day, right now I own 100% of the company. What are your thoughts when it comes to entrepreneurs looking to raise capital versus, you know, maybe, you know, um, getting uh, some financing or just just kind of bootstrapping forever? Like what, what's your thoughts on that? Look, every part and journey is different. I think that you've really got to understand your numbers and your figures so that you potentially can, you know, I'm a firm believer that you always ask money when you don't need it. And the only way you know you need it is by planning well in advance to see when you actually are going to get yourself into a bit of a pickle. You know, money management is tends to be probably the worst trait of most entrepreneurs. They get so excited about the idea and the and the journey that they forget that they have to have those foundations solid for them to be able to live their dreams. So, you know, and, and also what you'll find is when you do start to uh, go for financing or go for money or go for, you know, the financial solution, you find the first thing they ask for is what's your profit, what's your balance sheet, what's your <laughs> what's your forecast and where are you going? And that's, a, and that's the first time they open their eyes and go, oh, my God, I'm a deer in headlights. Do I have to do all that? So, you know, you, you need to, you know, if I was listening to this, I would be saying to you, yes, all the pretty stuff is exciting, but you can learn to love the numbers, learn to love the the structure because that will tell you the answers to your questions when the sales go down. It will be in the numbers. Uh, it will be in the research. So even though it might not be the exciting stuff, learn to love it. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, the another reason I asked that question is when I interviewed, um, when I spoke to Mark Cuban off the American uh, Shark Tank, he said to me, he actually doesn't, which was really uh, funny. He actually rec- he said, "I actually don't recommend raising capital, um, not unless you don't have to." So it's interesting, like how you say it. It depends on the person, and it's always a different perspective. Um, so when it comes to, I guess, all the people that have pitched, because um, there's been some funny ones. You know, what's what's your favorite? Like, and, and you've invested in a lot of companies. I, like I watch it when I'm at, because so I go to my parents' place every Sunday for Sunday roast and we we like to turn it on and my dad really likes watching it now as well and and I've noticed you seem to maybe it's the episodes that I've watched but you seem to invest in 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 the most companies yeah certainly I mean this season um I have actually invested a lot of a lot of businesses and and but this season I've actually shown all my investments at the moment so I'm oh, sure okay. that, um but yeah you know you're right the last two seasons I've I've invested the most amount of money and the most the most um businesses uh I think me and Steve I think are both of us um look for me um I I really look for the right person uh actually going back to your question on Mark Cuban and him saying raising capital. He's actually quite right. I mean, that I mentioned earlier about selling the family home. I mean, we could raise capital by selling shares, but and also by um, finding our own business. But we wanted to fund our own business, I should say. And we had the only way we could do that, like most Australians, was through the only equity we had, which is our family home. So, you know, sometimes you do have to back yourself in, and if you can avoid, you know, if you can avoid selling capital unless they bring a skill then i would i would agree with them try and do that mm. 
So rounding back, um, talk to us about your your journey on Shark Tank because it looks like you you have a lot of fun. I think you do. You know, I, the first thing that one of the reasons for us it's really good. I actually caught up with um, Damon uh, for lunch when he was down here a couple of months ago, and you know they're they're filming schedule is is quite intense you know they they they're, they film a lot more than we do we sort of get together for three weeks um we basically worked 14 hour days and we knock it out and uh, for me it's like me hanging out with you know four of my mates for for three weeks and you know we have a lot of fun we go for dinners um Naomi and I because you know we're the women we tend to spend a lot more time in the, the makeup chair we solve all the problems of the world um, so, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and I, you know, genuinely really like, you know, Steve and Glenn and Andrew and Naomi and, you know, we, we can actually absolutely, you know, like us Australians do, we can absolutely give, give each other one and, um, there's no, no offences taken, um, when we come off, it's like a footy field, you know, you can do the biffos on the footy field, but when you're off the footy field, you can have a beer and it's all fine. And none, none of us are actors, you know, we can't act to save ourselves. Actually, Andrew did was an actor in his in his previous life but none of us are so what you see is who we are you know we we're having a ball Steve just you know opens his mouth and you know says what he says you know my mother was horrified that I actually swore on tv and she said that you know I need to think of my I need to stop saying the word shit um so (laughs) so um it's quite funny actually Mm, awesome so tell me um what's probably been your best investment and why is it because of the entrepreneur or is it because of the business? Oh, it's always the entrepreneur. It always always the entrepreneur. Um, I, I'm really enjoying um, Scrubber, uh, Washbag. Uh, I, I think he's doing a great job. He's a, you know, it's, he's a, a man after my own heart. He's a patent, patent attorney. So all these patents and trademarks are spot on. He, um, he understands the, the bootstrapping concept. So he, you know, when he goes to fairs in Germany, he camps. <laughs> So, you oh, know, wow. he's, he's just a um, he's just a great guy too, you know, super smart. Um, his reports that he he brings in, he's an investor's dream because the structure of the reports are great. He keeps, he's very communicative. He uses us when he needs us. He um, no, He's great. So as a, a business I enjoy working with, he's he's one of them. Another one is a furniture business called One World, which is a which is going to be massive in America. You know, he's you know watch this space. He's just going to be, you know, they're going to be really big in um, either in furniture and in furniture you know accessories. And um, you know, he's they're they're getting into Wayfair, they're getting into Frontgate, they're getting into some really big players in America, particularly the online players in furniture. So. You know, he's that's going to be a great business. So you know, there's they're they're and probably I like I genuinely like the guys too. They're they're really good guys. So I enjoy working with them. Hmm. And I'm curious, what happens like after? Can you talk us a little bit behind the scenes? What happens after? You know, after a due diligence goes through, and then you know, do you, do you, what kind of process? What what are the common things that you you find yourself helping these entrepreneurs with? What 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 can you? Yeah, I'd love to hear that side of it. Yeah, sure. Look, it's interesting because um. We actually meet with a lot of people after the show. There's, I've probably met, uh, after, there's probably eight couples or people that have come in after the show and they haven't even had a deal. So there's the, you know, you think you can sort of go, look, I can give an hour of my time to, you know, we, we hear their pitch, we see some of their challenges and I go, look, meet, meet me afterwards, contact me afterwards and I'll meet up with you and we'll kind of set you in the right direction. So we do a bit of that. Mm, that's uh, no, really no. good that you do that. I've noticed that. 
Yeah, and, and the thing is it's true. We actually do follow it through and they do come in and, you know, it's, it's great. Um, the other one is so basically the process is, you know, we, we do the deal on air. We only hear about the deal for an hour, so we don't actually even know who the business is, so we can't do any pre-research or know anything about them. So what we see is what we get, so we take it all face value. After that, we give them a due diligence pack where they go off and actually have to come back with, you know, their financials and their business plan and they make sure their trademarks are owned by the right people and all of that. So they, they go and do that. And then um, and then we meet with them and have, have a question and answer type scenario. Um, and, and sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, sometimes they've turned around and said, look, you know, the lights were on. I said yes to this deal. It's not the deal that I think I can do. My husband will never talk to me again. I can't do it. And that's okay. You know, we see we see the business as, um, you know, when we say we're going to do a deal, it's like getting engaged. And, you know, through that engagement period, we've got to make sure that we, we are who we say we are, both parties. And, you know, if everything stacks up to what they say, then, you know, great. But some things sometimes, you know, we find out they don't actually own the recipes or it's the patents or trademarks are in there. And they're in their husband's names and we can't transfer it across or, you know, or the numbers they said weren't quite what they said they were. And I don't think anyone deliberately misleads, but I do think that some entrepreneurs haven't got a grasp of the numbers as they probably should. So, you know, not every deal that you see on Shark Tank goes through, unfortunately. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we go through a very um, detailed process and a lot more gets through than, than people expect as well. Mm. And once it does go through and it's, you know, it's a fit. So like one world or, or scrubber, is there a common thing that you, you see that you, you kind of has like that you, you, from a mentoring standpoint that happens or, or teaching around scale, like, or you have a process, like I'm curious. Um, look, we have a, look, every, I think we're all different. I'm quite structured. So I'll have a regular monthly meeting. Um, and then hopefully if there's anything they need during that, the month, they'll call me. Yes. Um, so you know, so and then and then it's you know we go through numbers. It's like a it's like a mini board meeting. You know, you go through the numbers. What's the plans? What are the challenges? What do we need to do? What are the action plans? And so you, so every month is a new plan. Um, I would be encouraging all of my the businesses I'm invested in to do strategy days or strategy meetings where we go off. Uh, we go off afterwards. That's what we do. Actually, the other thing that I forgot to mention is we do do a strategy meeting through the businesses where we sit down and we go, what do you expect from us? What do I expect from you? Um, where do you want to be? Where do you want the business to be? So we do those with all the businesses we invest in as well. So at least we've got a really clear idea of, of um, the path that we need to take. Mm, I see. And typically, uh, when do you expect a return out of curiosity? <laughs> Look, it depends, you know. Um, you know, traditionally, I, you know, I spoke to Damon also about when he, when, how much money, you know, when, when did he get returns? And it's pretty much like any normal business. Shark Tank businesses aren't special, you know. They, they, um, you know, they still need the, you know, they still need the love and the attention. And like most businesses, you often don't even get a return for three or four years. And so, you know, I spoke to, um, and Barbara, actually, she mentioned that I think it was, fourth year four before they started to get any sort of returns on their businesses I mean I know all of us every single one of us have lost money already in some of the deals that we've done on Shark Tank um, but that's the nature of business none of us are, are, are weeping over it you just go that's business you know some work some don't work um, some work and take off and some <laughs> some take a long the, or a slow burn so it's just a um, it's just the nature of business whether it's a Shark Tank business or not it's just the way it is. 
Mm, I love it. And um, do you have a formula for picking winners? I think it's, you know, your gut feeling and, and making sure my due diligence is solid. You know, um, I think at this point um, I think it's just people, making sure you pick the right people. And I think I can smell BS pretty quickly. I can, um, you know, and if I can't smell it, then I can certainly smell it afterwards. So, but look, most people are, are really, you know, lovely people having a crack. And, you know, I, I'd be very daunting going through those doors at Shark Tank and be faced by, you know, us five people grilling you about your business and worried about do you know the numbers and you know so it is it's a it's a big it's a big deal and we get a um transcript of the of the pitch so there's nowhere to hide <laughs> so mate you said you had 200 stores oh 200 stores i meant two. Oh, okay that's a little bit different because he you said <laughs> so i don't know how many meetings people have where there's an absolute transcript of the meeting where there's nowhere to hide Mm, yeah, awesome. All right. Well, look, um, we have to work towards wrapping up, but uh, a couple last questions. One was, I thought it was interesting. Um, off air, we we had a bit of a mix up on on time schedules, probably on my end. I apologize for that. And you said to me that, uh, you know, if if this is the you know the the worst that's happened, I consider it a good day. What did you mean by that? Oh, well, put it this way. If the worst thing that happened to me that day was that someone missed an appointment, that's not a bad day. You know, you have, you know, you have phone calls where, you know, people um, steal from you. You have people, phone calls where, you know, customers aren't happy. You have phone calls where the media has done something that you're not happy about. You know, someone meeting, missing an appointment, a, a genuine mistake is not a problem. And I think that, you know, I think that you've got to always keep things in perspective. You know, I think people get wound up over over the smallest things, you know, I think every day we should wake up and be grateful instead of worrying about what's wrong in life. Mm. Okay. Last question. No, two more questions. Um, now we'll give this last one. Last question. Um, so you're, you, you, you're, you know, quite a, quite a, a well-known, uh, you know, one, one of the, like I've read articles where they say that you're, you know, one, one of the top, you know, richest self-made women in Australia. So, in uh you know quote unquote society um you know extremely successful right and um the level of success that you've attained is something that uh i would say most of the world would aspire to so i know as an entrepreneur myself and many of my friends we always tell ourselves stories that if i get to this um it'll be awesome so i've always been curious someone at your level um can you have it all oh you can you can, yes, you can. You can. Yeah, you can, um, but not all at once. There's a bit, <laughs> uh, you know. Basically, you know, if you're climbing your Everest, and my Everest was pretty much from thirty to forty, there was no life balance. I didn't hang out with friends. I didn't have coffee with mates. I really neglected myself. I probably neglected my children different times. I certainly neglected my husband. Um, so you know, and because you know, when you're actually doing something and you're creating something special, you've got to give all to it. You know, now I have a bit more of a balance. So, you know, as you said to the question is, you know, when I get to this, you know, this will be the answer. This When I get to here, this is be the answer. And for me, it was never about the money. You know, you do the right things, the money will come. But what the finances has done is it create, it's created, it created freedom. You know, freedom to say yes or no to the things I want to do and not want to do. You know, freedom to be able to, you know, write my own ticket in some respects. But really what I've found is as I've got older, my view of success has changed. You're right, when you're younger and you're creating, you're, you're climbing your Everest and you're building your business, 
you know, it's that you know, 100 stores or, yeah, you know. 10 million, 20, 10 30, million. 40, 50, 100, yeah. yeah. It, that's what it is. When you actually have a family and, and you look at what gives you really great joy is um, it really is being loved and, and in love, you know. I'm really lucky that, you know, I've done this journey with my best friend and my husband and someone who I adore and I, and I think success is looking at my four kids and seeing them healthy and healthy and that they actually want to hang out with me. Um, that's a success, you know, success having, you know, five investment properties or, you know, lots of zeros in a bank account. They're just numbers. And, you know, I'm, and you might go, oh, it's all very well, Janine, you, you know, you're, you've got those numbers in the bank. But really the reality is, you know, what gives you joy? You know, so I, when I sit back and think success, it is all about family. It is all the fact that I'm not lonely. It's the fact that, you know, I, you know, have a great balance in my life. It's the fact that I can do yoga when I want to do yoga. It's the fact that my husband brings me coffee every morning in bed. You know, it's the fact that, you know, he says he loves me every day. You know, that's what success is. It's not, it's not the zeros in the bank. That gives me freedom, but that's not success. Mm, yeah, I really appreciate that. Okay, well, um, final Nathan, question. You at your age. What's that? Sorry, you at your age is different. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. Um, Are you got kids? No, 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 no. Yeah, Just long term partner. Yeah, no. Look, kids is. I think there's life pre and post kids, and I think that uh, that is a different way. But you know, certainly while you've got a long term partner, and um, you know, absolutely, now's the time to absolutely go for it. Yeah, yeah. She's entrepreneur too now. I converted right. her. <laughs> that actually helps. You know, my husband being a entrepreneur and a, a highly successful businessman in his own right, um, you know, by him having that understanding and me having that understanding for him, it meant that one-on-one can equal 10. You know, without the support of Jeff and and my, my support of him, we wouldn't be anywhere where we would need to be. So if uh, people are listening to this, marry well or partner up well, whatever you want to do. You don't have to marry them, but just bloody pick your partners well because the amount of people I've seen out there that have not fulfilled their greatest desire or greatest version of success, often because is they um, they choose the wrong partner. And, you know, you need that great partner in crime to, to really create the dreams that you have in life. Mm, and push you and challenge you and support you, yeah, for sure. Absolutely, mm. all that. Yeah, no, I've never thought of it like that, but no, that's that's really true. Um, so look, we have to work towards wrapping up, Janine. Uh, final question is: uh, Where's the best place people can find out more about yourself, your companies, and your work? Or uh, I know you have a book as well, The Accidental Entrepreneur. Um, yeah, where, where's the best place you'd like people to go? Um, look, yeah, there's a number of places. Um, you know, you've you've got LinkedIn, um, which is you know you can find me there. You've got um. I've got a blog and a website, which is janineallis.com.au. Um, there's obviously the Retail Zoo and the Boost Juice website. So, you know, there's lots of places and there's just simple Google. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Janine. This was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed our conversation. No, my pleasure, Nathan. And good luck with the, the, the mag. Doesn't sound like you need it. And um, <laughs> hopefully you come and pitch next season. <laughs> yeah, look, um, to be honest, uh, yeah, not not uh, we're we're hundred percent bootstrapped. Probably going to stay that way for a while. Or no long worries. Time. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. No worries. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business. 
which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.